Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, thanks for being patient. Hi guys, welcome to this episode of Slaughter. We are back after our summer break. Now I have to do work again. I know. <laughs> I was enjoying being a podcaster, we didn't have to podcast. This is a best case scenario. <laughs> yeah. Now all we need to do is be teachers without any children. Yeah, they're the best days. Um, we've got two stories for you, two crime cases. That from the UK. From the UK, of course. Stick into our brief. <laughs> Never veering. <laughs> Apart from, there's news. Um, we're going to be, quite a few people will be happy about this, some people not so much, but Slash and Dash is going to be coming back on the regular. On the reg. Every other week you'll be getting a Slash and Dash episode instead of a normal episode. Look, we can't hide it. We can't pretend that's not happening. So you will have... So every other week, we're going to do bi-weekly episode, but you're going to get something every week. Yeah, so the Slash and Dash is the opportunity to have a story that is can still be from the UK, but can be from somewhere else for our mini-episode. And the way that it's going to work is all of our $1 Patreons, you guys will be given the option to vote for what story we cover. So we may at some point be wanting some listeners to help out with compiling a list. We have some ideas of our own for some really good cases that we'd love to do outside of the UK. But the $1 Patreons, you will be the deciders for what gets aired. Uh, Yeah, that's That's, it. That's kind of it. That's the news. So if you are giving more than a dollar on Patreon, so you're a $5 Patreon, a $10 Patreon, a million dollar Patreon, you'll still get all the bonuses that come with that. So the $5 Patrons are still going to get some stickers from me um, and you're still going to get the mother-daughter slaughter access and all the stuff that's already on there, some extra content that we've got. And the $10 Patrons will be sent a tote bag and the $20 will still get a t-shirt. So you can still give extra, but all those tiers, if it's a dollar or more, will still get to vote. So... Uh, I'm going to tell you a story of a couple. They're called Jenny Gray and Ben Butler. Have you heard of them? No. But then I'm like fucking Dory when it comes to names. (laughs) Yeah. No idea. That's true. So it's quite a recent one. It's in the 2000s. Oh, then I definitely don't know. Um, I stopped caring about anything after 2000. I was like, this is the new age. (laughs) I'm not part of it. (laughs) 
So Ben Butler was a car salesman, so we know he's a prick, and <laughs> removal man. And he met Jenny Gray, who is a graphic designer, in March 2006, when she was out celebrating her brother's 31st birthday in a nightclub in Sutton. There are nightclubs in Sutton. Who knew? It's not just for old people. Which Sutton? Like Sutton Ashfield? Sutton Coalfield? Sutton on Sea? Don't know. Should I know that? I thought they were all just the same place. So, Gray's brother turned 31, had drunkenly fallen off a stool. So look, you can still party at 31. Life is not over if you're a man. But uh, stools are really difficult. <laughs> and um, Butler had offered to help him get home. So she was, he was going to help her take him home. Um, She was sort of... It was reported that she was a little bit vulnerable at this point. She'd recently separated from quite a short marriage... And she wanted to find someone. She wanted to be in a relationship. And Butler actually had quite a long criminal record. So he had been convicted of assault um, previously of um, both men and women, um, violence and robbery. So a warning sign there already. But then you don't find that out when they offer you a lift home, do you? No, I don't think she... I mean, she mustn't have known about that at first, but I I assume gradually... Well, I don't know, actually. It's only a warning for the people that have got access to the database. Yeah. Give me access to the database. And within weeks of meeting him, she was pregnant. So he was also very fertile. Vivile. And she probably didn't know about his past then either. But she told Butler and his reaction was sort of best case scenario for her. We're going to stay together. We're going to have the baby. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Why? It's not a best case scenario to be like, yeah. Well, that's what you'd want them to say, wouldn't you? You want them to be like, oh, well. Best case scenario for me would be like, I'll take it from you. <laughs> no worries. But that's just me. <laughs> In December 2007, Grey gave birth to a baby girl. I mean, that's a long pregnancy. She must have got pregnant. 2000 until 2007. She must have met him in The gestation period of seven elephants. <laughs> um, so she gave birth to a baby girl called Ellie Mae. And Butler wasn't there at the birth, but he did come to the hospital afterwards. It was quite a traumatic birth. And if there's one phrase that puts you off having children, I think that's the phrase for it. Traumatic birth. I don't want anything traumatic. That means you're scarred for life. You are pushing a melon out of your vagina. I think it's always <laughs> traumatic, surely. Oh, it sound, It just sounds awful. Even the easiest birth is still like, it's messing up you downstairs. And I don't, that's traumatic. He visited her in hospital. He told everyone he'd had a daughter. He was super happy about it. They weren't living together at this point, but he insisted that Grey come back and stay with him at his flat after the birth with the baby. Now, Grey was with the baby all the time, obviously, for the first six weeks. And then I think she went to meet some friends or family and she left him alone with the baby for the first time. When she returned, Ali Mae had burns on her forehead and on her hand. Now, Butler said she'd rolled against the radiator um, Grey took Ali Mae to the GP and the GP said he's just a naive parent he just made a mistake just right daft. but if she had to take the baby to the GP that suggests that he didn't yeah. so like yeah your baby's rolled into the fire it's not my fault but take it to a fucking doctor or the hospital yeah. especially if it's your first baby you're going to be panicky it's going to die yeah it's dodgy is this a dead baby story mm. so we're going to be discussing topics that some listeners may feel disturbing <laughs> For sure. So just a week later, Butler had Ellie Mae for the evening while Grey was, again, out with friends, out with family. I don't know, she'd gone somewhere. According to Butler, 
Annie Mae was pale when she arrived at his house and didn't seem well at all. She was obviously sick. Grey never suggested this. He called an ambulance okay. and then a friend with a car. Um, so he was waiting for the ambulance, said it's taking too long, got his friend to come on with the car and they both went to the hospital. She had numerous injuries that would result from being violently shaken. She's alive, but she's been shaken. Butler was arrested. There was a hearing. Basically, the, the injuries were that she had bleeding in her brain yeah. and hemorrhaging and then bleeding around the eyes. He was arrested and she was placed with Gray's mother and father. So the child was removed from the couple but put into like family protection. Right. Um, and they were called Neil and Linda. Butler was also charged with the cruelty due to the burns. So they said, well, if you've done this, you probably did that. Um, He was found guilty in 2009 and he got 18 months. So while Butler was in prison, Gray still visiting him, still totally besotted with him. Oh, crap. So she's she's not got the baby in her care. He's been sent to prison for hurting the baby and he's... She's still into him. Yeah, completely denying that he had anything to do with it. She found out that she was pregnant while he was in prison as well. Um, And rather than declaring it to authorities, I shouldn't want to lose that baby, she moved to Portsmouth, used her marriage name that she previously had, and had the baby without telling any of the authorities. She denied it was Butler's child, I think in an effort to keep it as well. And she got away with that for quite a while. And then the police stopped her when she was out in the car with the child at some point. I don't know how they thought to stop her, but they found, you've got a baby. We didn't know about this. Took the baby away, age six months. So she started fighting to have this baby come back. Now, this is where things got weird. So he's been in prison, I think about six months at this stage. And he was released from prison on bail, pending a review of the evidence for this shaking the baby that had happened. So three judges reviewed the case, but one in particular was sort of in charge of that. She loved Butler. For some reason, she just thought he was the bee's knees. She thought he was brilliant. Have you seen, like, any video footage of him? I have, yeah. What did you think? I mean, did you it, see it? He didn't seem... He wasn't... I mean, he wasn't hot. He wasn't particularly... I mean, I think he was quite intelligent, but he wasn't... He wasn't, like, charismatic and amazing. But then I guess see someone being interviewed by police, I don't know. But Yeah, they're not on their bear. She seemed so impressed with him. She said she wanted him exonerated of the crime. Basically, she hinged it on the fact that they looked at the injuries and they, they said that they couldn't tell if some of the bleeding was old blood or new blood. Right. Which seemed... Well, uh, where did the fucking old blood come from? She's only been alive a couple of months. Well, they said, like, maybe from birth. And then they also... There was this weird thing about there was a cyst in her throat that they thought could have caused her to... Like, a knock-on effect of her being injured more easily or something. It was very weird. I think it was... Have you ever watched House? I haven't, but I'm aware of the concept. And something so unlikely happens, but it's like, oh, it's happened in this case. It could technically happen, but you wouldn't. It's not the first thing you've jumped to. They're fainting. Oh, well, it can't be low blood pressure. It'll be this like weird disease that you only get if you've been to one zoo, like part of Africa or something. Like Like, you hear hooves, you should think horse. You shouldn't think zebra. Yeah, 
It's like so out there. So I think the case was, oh, well, it could be this, but it was so unlikely. But she went, well, it's probably that though. And so... She wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but she completely went to the extreme. So she had... Yeah, exonerating. Yeah, she had the, the, the local council write that he was completely exonerated, pass it on to the school, pass it on to the doctors. Basically... It's definitely not... It was just to the Let extreme. him touch kids again. Yeah. That's did. what she was saying. Um, she Leave s- him alone with children. She discredited the burn, said, well, that might not have been intentional. So he was free. I mean, babies do do crazy things like me, especially with the old fireplaces. My brother and I were watching my little sister once and she rolled headfirst into like the stone hearth and had Aww. quite a bad bang on her head. I mean, me and my brother were like, she rolled herself, she rolled herself. And my mum was like... Because <laughs> you like... Yeah. yeah, we were sausage rolling her. To <laughs> Not in- <laughs> we weren't intending to get her hurt. She was so placid as a kid, you could do whatever you wanted with her. She's a bit the same now. She's married, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What so- I'm saying is, I understand why you might be like, injuries do happen, injuries do happen with children, but not a shaking and a burning within the first few weeks. Yeah, it's a lot. The burning's one thing. The shaking's another. I mean, that's real for the newborn. Like, because again, my little, my older brother, he burnt his hand because he reached up and touched a cooker. But he would have been about two and a half, where you are in the reaching, walking phase. Yeah. A newborn baby doesn't burn themselves unless you're holding them against it. Like, but yeah, they don't throw themselves. Or you drop off some. Stuff. You'd have to drop yeah. something, but you'd have to be holding something while you were also holding yeah. the baby. Like, it's always negligent, surely. Yeah, a little bit. It's not like they're just walking around and throwing themselves down the stairs by mistake. They only get there if you put them there. Yeah. Um, They're basically slugs at that stage. Yeah. So then, so just because he'd been let off this didn't mean he automatically got the children back. So he began fighting to have anyway back in his care. And he... Why would you if you just want to shake her up? I know. Like, if you want to harm her, just let her go. Because I imagine that a shaking comes from, like, being frustrated. Like, it won't stop crying or it's something. Like, that's how I, I I would imagine those kind of things happening. I don't think you're like, oh, let's shake it for fun. I think he was humiliated and he wanted everyone to think, oh, he's a wronged guy. Yeah. And he, he's the victim rather than... And we were wrong. I think he wanted the credit. That makes sense. Because if you were innocent, why wouldn't you want the baby back? Yeah. So he began fighting. He wanted. He demanded another hearing. And I guess to be fair, if the judge has said he's not done it, why shouldn't he argue to have the child back? I mean, if he hadn't, if he hadn't done it, then he should have the child back. So he went on this morning. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, to protest his innocence. This morning, if you're not from the UK, is like a daytime TV show with like happy, clappy presenters, but they're like down with Human you. Human interest. Like, do you think like, they're trying too hard? They're like those teachers. They're like, oh, I'm friends with everyone. Are you a This Morning fan? Am I insulting your favourite show? I love Philip Schofield, yeah. Yeah, because you want to be friends with him because want, you could. I want him to bring out Gordon the Gopher. What is it? It's not a puppet. It's a puppet. <laughs> Was that it? I don't think I don't know. So, as a reaction to this whole thing going on, obviously Ellie Mae was with her grandparents and they were terrified that Ellie Mae would go back to 
her parents and her granddad said to the judge you will have blood on your hands as a result of this but the judge was using phrases like oh there'll be a happy ending and butler was reflective and thoughtful so the grandparents were just ignored so ellie may returned home to her parents in november 2012 and her grandparents were extremely worried. Um, Butler and Gray were living together at this point. Gray wasn't working. Uh, no, sorry, Gray was working. Butler wasn't because obviously he's come out of prison. Difficult to get work. So he was the house husband and Gray was going to her graphic design job every day. So he's got the new baby. So he's got two children at home now that he's looking after. I think there was an, an essence of feeling a bit demasculated He's used to being the breadwinner. He's a car salesman. He, he's probably a bit arrogant. And he began completely bullying Gray and his children. And the, the evidence of this is the text messages that have been found between them. So he would right. say things to Gray like, I'm only here because I'm trapped. One more mistake, I'm going to lose it. Well, is that one more mistake not wearing a fucking condom? Because let's be honest, you should have learned after the first one. Well, he totally blamed her for the pregnancy. He said, if you dare ever get pregnant again, it's over. He'd also say stuff like, I would die for you. I never want to lose you. And all this emotional sort of inflated stuff. So I wanted to say to listeners, don't let anyone speak to you like that. One that's not normal. That's emotional blackmail. That's not a normal way to speak to someone. Blaming people, even if someone's apologising afterwards, and that's what abusers will do. They'll say something and they'll go, "It's the heat at the moment. I'm so sorry. I'm not that kind of guy. I want to get help. I'm an awful person." But that apology doesn't allow them to treat you however they want when they're in that frame of mind. So I wanted to um, give you a domestic violence support line if it is happening to anyone. Um, it's not a normal way to speak to people or to treat people um, regardless if they're sick or stressed at that moment I don't care, you don't treat people like that so it's 0808 which is victim support but if you type in domestic violence help on Google, loads of charities will come up, any of that are licensed charities I would trust and phone um, you can also go to GP about it but don't wait for an appointment in the UK. Get help and support straight away. I also wanted to look at some of the psychology of domestic violence. Yeah. The characteristics that I could find and the things that they do related more to males, although we do know that females can be abusive, domestic violence can happen in lots of different kinds of relationships, same yeah. sex relationships, lesbian relationships. Um, so it's not just male on female, but a lot of the behaviors that you will see from an abuser are things like jealousy so they will question the partner over the top assuming that they're doing things if they're out with friends or did you talk to a man so that over the top sort of jealous behavior controlling behavior so maybe the partner has to ask permission to do things or wear certain things or they pick out their clothes for them they will try and isolate people from their connections to their family and their friends so they're just reliant on the abuser um forces sex so might be emotionally blackmailing someone for sex physically having sex with them and there's even cases where they'll have them sleep with their friends really abusive behavior rigid gender roles tends to come up as well i'm the man and this is my role you're the woman and this is your role and that feeds into a little bit to how he was behaving and probably how he felt about him taking a conventionally female role um, and tend to be quite intelligent as well. 
uh, they're linked to disorders like APD, which we've looked at, borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder, which I find particularly interesting. Have you looked at that much? Not really, no. It's sort of this grandiosity, lack of empathy oh. and need for everyone to adore you and admire you. I think you've got it. I, <laughs> I think I might have it. <laughs> That's true. Arrogant, self-centered, manipulative, believing they're superior or gifted and not taking criticism well. Are you, is that me again? I don't think you believe that you're superior or gifted. I don't know. You I'm don't pr- take criticism I'm very well. I'm pretty good at maths. <laughs> Someone with narcissism would be like, I'm the greatest. Okay, I'm not the greatest mathematician ever, but I know my times tables quick. <laughs> I don't think we've got to worry then. So, <laughs> so between November 2012 and October 2013, Ellie May suffered quite a few injuries. And her appearance was becoming more and more bedraggled. She was absent from school quite frequently. And Butler made complaints that the school were victimising the family. Yeah, we get that. Do you? As soon as you start trying to make things happen, like then, like a lot of families will become like, well, you're just out to get me now. Like everything I do, you're picking up on it. And I'm kind of like, yes, everything <laughs> yeah. you do, I am picking up on because every time they come and their clothes are dirty, every time they come and they've got knits again, every time they come and they don't have a lunch, yes, I am going to be on your case. And you have to be, but then it you need a co- you need cooperation. It is difficult because you. The best way, I mean, not in this case, if they're being abused and you want them out, but in a lot of cases of neglect like that, best case scenario is cooperation between school and families that we want to support you to do better. We've got to know when things aren't going right, but we want you to then do better. We don't want to just write everything down until they get taken away. We want to write things down to bring it to your attention. This is not an acceptable thing to have my child dressed in in the winter. Yeah. Um, but if you if but you do get that where they yeah. turn against you and that's when they move house really? and they go to another jurisdiction or another local authority and that's how you lose track so it is it's difficult you need to keep families on side but the victimization they yeah. do feel that but if the school wasn't noting it and raising it as concerns well, then they'd be completely negligent yeah you, you, your priority is for the children and for them so there comes a point where yes we want to keep everyone working together but i might have to piss a few people off for the sake of the children but that yeah because the, for that child the only place they're going where there isn't abuse is school that's the only contact they've got with adults that aren't abusing them potentially so it's so important that they keep going to school and that the school reports things and keeps track of things and i remember when we've had training on abuse and things They've said the number one thing is keep them coming. Yeah, exactly. They've, they've got to keep coming because that's that's their only get out. That's the only. Well, our new thing is to go and fetch them. Yeah, um, they're also concerned that Ellie may had marks and bruises, um, and he just argued that there were preconceived ideas against the family, and they were judging him based on the past, and that actually it's all been written off, and they should be letting it go, and she's just a normal kid. However, he did take um, Ellie May to the doctor. About having her ears pinned back. Because that was the priority. She's six years old. That's like the cosmetic procedure where yeah. they just make it so your ears lie a bit flatter. Said she was being bullied about her ears. Yeah, by him. Oh. He's probably at home calling her big ears all the time. The two girls, Ellie Mae, now six, and a younger sibling who hasn't been named by the press, were being frequently smacked, humiliated, shouted at, and Grey was being beaten by Butler as well. 
So he was being abusive to all three. If the children wet themselves, they'd put that he'd put their heads down the toilet and flush. And Ellie Mae's shoulder was broken in October 2013. Neither of the parents sought medical help. See, for that's it. a big one. Like again, when you're looking for abuse in children, if you have like normal childhood injuries, broken bones are going to be your fingers. It's going to be like forearm, like things that you know you readily put down when you fall. Yeah, and things like. That. But a shoulder to be broken is that comes from being pulled. Yeah, out of your arm. And so, quite a lot of force needed to break yeah. someone's shoulder. That's so, a huge red flag for it to be in the shoulder. This isn't funny at all. I hope yours is going to no, be funny. Not. Sorry, children yeah. getting hurt. Well, there's no way to make jokes in here. So on October 28th, 2013, um, Grey was at her job in London. And she got a call from Butler, but she didn't answer. Do you know what, as well? Again, not a funny point, but that would probably... Her being in such a good job would give people preconceived ideas and would probably put people off investigating as much because you'd be like, oh, but she's got such a lovely mum. She's a graphic designer. She yeah, works in London. Yeah. You do. It's it's not right, but uh, yeah, working class families do get um, portrayed more easily. Well, all these things, things get linked in. I remember there's a case where there's a little girl who died of abuse and no one had been reporting anything about her because her mum worked at the school. Yes, she and was like, like a midday supervisor. Yeah, and they were like, well, her mum's at the school. I mean, yeah, she we'd know if something was wrong. Yeah. yeah. Mm. She works with kids, it must be fine. No, no. So she got a call at work from Butler and she didn't answer it because she, obviously she was busy. Then she got a text simply saying, answer. Um, and she called him out within 30 seconds. She immediately left work, got a taxi, went home, told her, her colleagues that her child was ill and she arrived home at 1.50. Now, Grey phoned an ambulance at 2.46 saying her daughter wasn't moving. Now, I've listened to the 999 call and it is, it's horrible to listen to, mostly because it's so frustrating. She is just screaming the entire time and it's just the ambulance worker saying... Stop screaming. I can't help you if you don't stop screaming. Can you just stop screaming, please? I'm surprised she didn't hang up on her because it was that yeah. frustrating. She was like, what's happened? And, the, and she, Grey would just be like, Wah! and she'd be like, look, you're going to have to calm down because I don't, she didn't even send an ambulance till about three minutes into the call because she couldn't she hear the address. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was the most annoying thing. So paramedics arrived at 2.55. So once they did get that address, they must have been really quick because it's, about nine minutes after she called, they found Ellie Mae blue and already cold, and she'd been dead for about two hours. So, which makes it weirder that she would sc- scream still. Yeah, like you've already been with her for an hour. Well, it must have been. Well, it's fake, isn't it? She's trying to make out like it's happened just this second. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Like you think, not that you calm down and get over it, but this is why I dream when I when I do a murder when I present a murder on the podcast I tend to do the criminal by their last name because I feel it's too too nice to them to use their first name if you know what I mean it's too personal it's like my mate Ben I'm not Mm. calling him Ben but with with the mother I didn't really know whether to call her Jenny or Grey because it's such a grey grey area hello it's such a grey area that I don't I don't know how much blame lies with her or not so anyway, I'll tell you the rest of them. We'll discuss that. Okay. Paramedics arrived. She was, she'd been dead for a while. Grey said that she'd been home. She'd got home from work and Butler had said to her, 
Annie Mae is playing upstairs and they'd kind of just got on with it. Now, she said that she'd gone home because Annie Mae was ill. Yeah. The first thing you'd do is go up and check on the child, obviously. And then they'd sent the younger child to go and check on Annie Mae. They said they'd shouted and said, Annie Mae, come down. She hadn't. They said, can you go and find her? Which they had done. Yeah. So this child would come back screaming that she wouldn't wake up. Traumatised. The couple then went to find Ellie May and then they called the ambulance, according to them. Right. Now, Ellie May's injuries were similar to if she'd been in a serious car accident. Absolutely appalling. So she had a fractured skull, bleeding around the spine and a hemorrhage. And they said that like, the back of her skull was just a mess. She'd been treated appallingly. They said it had either been that she'd been thrown against a wall or hit by a heavy object. That's as bad as I'm going to go with that. There was also bruising around her jaw as if she'd been grabbed. Now, Butler claimed he'd been downstairs the whole time and that she'd fallen. But the couple had obviously, he'd got angry, he'd killed her and they'd staged a cover-up. They'd washed their clothes, changed their clothes, they'd bought a cake, they'd cut up the cake, they'd put out the cake, started eating it. They'd staged this whole area ready for this 999 call and they'd sent the sister up to be like oh well she's found by her sister we didn't even go up so her screaming was i'm gonna put this on right now so the child was screaming at the moment when she did the 999 yeah call. it was clearly fake but when you're saying about her blame for going along with it when you're in the house with him and you know he's just killed your child he's gonna kill her if she doesn't go along with it surely that's what you'd be thinking. Yeah. Like, if no, I, I've got to at least keep thing. playing until I can get the police here, or just like the ambulance can get here. Because if she tells him, "No, you killed my child," he's gonna fuck. He's gonna do her in. I don't know what she was thinking at that point, and it, I can't even imagine. But to send to willingly send that child up to see their their sister dead, that's cold. That child's gonna be traumatized. That's not okay. Because she wouldn't just look like she was sleeping if she's been smashed in the head. Yeah. Either. Yeah. Ellie May's sister obviously was taken straight into care as well following this um, and was found to have bruising on her back. And they said to Grey, can we examine you? And she refused. So she's she's not dobbing in it. So Butler was arrested and he was charged with the murder. It was obvious yeah. that that child had been murdered and he was in the house and that he'd had this history of abuse. Grey admitted that Ellie May had been dead when she arrived home, but she consistently claimed Butler was innocent. And you can hear the police interviews of her saying, I wouldn't have let him name my child if I thought he could do something like that. I know he hasn't done that. She continued to visit him in, in prison, but they looked at her computer. And I'm going to tell you some Google searches that she made. I think Google searches tell you so much about a person. I as don't well. want anyone to ever look at my Google search history. I reckon you could work out. Especially when I use my work laptop as well. I think you're yeah. an idiot. Don't Google that on your laptop. You could find out so much about me from my Google searches. I think. If you had a list of all of them, out there. I would get on some. I would get on a government watch list. They're thinking I'm planning <laughs> murder. I don't know. I think they'd be like, she's obviously got weird interests. It's, I think. Do you know that Black Mirror where they create a robot of the person, and it's basically based on spot their social on. media. I think they could do that. They'd know. They could do it with this podcast. That's true. If we die, they could just regenerate us. So what had she searched? So stabbed in leg during pregnancy. <gasps> that's a good one to start with I am with a bully who beats me and tells me I'm ugly and fat and hurts me all the time I mean she right. I mean that's long I mean if you want to get a, if you want to get a relevant hit you're going to need to narrow down your search that's just a blog <laughs> magical spell to stop his hate urgent spell to make him be sorry for hurting me 
broken nose. She'd also written on paper prayers to a goddess to ask for Butler to love her and stop hurting her. I mean, it's, it's such a sad story, but then it's also a lot of people turned on her because how, how did she keep visiting? He's killed her daughter. How was she standing by this man? Do you not think that she just felt that he would find her? Like, eventually he'd get out of prison. Like, he could, he'd find her. No. I don't think you feel, I don't think she I felt think that you she don't... was out of his, out of his reach by being him being in prison. I don't know. I don't know if she just completely chose him over her children and adored him. But what? I don't think it was fear. You're out of it. He's in prison. But he got out before. He could get out again. He could send people. You could be thinking anything. But to visit him so frequently. Yeah. Knowing what he's doing. I mean, she didn't do the right thing. No. That's without a doubt. She didn't do the right thing. I just... She didn't do the right thing at the time, but afterwards... I just feel like she wasn't in a place where yeah. she felt like she could do the right thing. Or I understand... I but understand she, that, yeah. that you could feel trapped. But she... I mean, she could have saved those children. She could have got out. She lied about his violence towards her afterwards. She had this baby in secret, knowing that he's a dangerous person. I can see why people turned on her. It does. It's such a sort of moral dilemma isn't it is it her fault or not is she a victim is she groomed or is she as bad as he is by allowing it to happen i don't know what the answer is this is what happens when you have a baby with someone you don't know i don't think it's always happens no it doesn't always happen (laughs) i'm just saying you don't know him when you started the family like you should get that's why you should get to know them before you start the family yeah I mean, and he, then because that's when you were saying like, oh, best case scenario, he wants to stay and stay with her and raise a family. That's not best case scenario with someone you've just met. He could be anyone. He was yeah. anyone. But I, I, what I was thinking is, is, is that conversation is a horrible conversation to have, particularly with someone that you've just met. Like, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. And if they were like, okay, bye. There's many okay. best case scenarios for if I accidentally got pregnant. One, they've got a fuckload of money and they're going to give me all the money and never be involved. Or two. They're going to take the baby and I never have to be involved. None of my best case scenarios involve me and a stranger living together plus a baby. <laughs> no, thank you. Butler was, he sacked the Did whole... Did he get killed in prison? No. That's, oh. He sacked the whole of his legal team. In court, he went on about conspiracies to they make him that. look bad. Fucking love conspiracies, the judges <laughs> do. Well done. And um, 2014, in April, Grey was charged with cruelty and intent to pervert justice. So she received 42 months and he received 23 years minimum. So a life sentence. Straight after being sentenced, he began to appeal his conviction. But also Grey launched an appeal against her conviction for child cruelty, which her father was absolutely disgusted about. He said, this is completely disrespectful to Annie May's memory that you could try and get out of these charges for child cruelty. He's disowned her completely. He said her sister's don't want anything to do with her because they're just so appalled at her behaviour. And he did yeah. he did quite rightly say there's gonna be blood on your hands to that judge. Judge refused to apologise. She was she just said it's not personal. So that's Jenny Gray and Ben Butler, a nice tragedy to start us off with. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, true crime fans. Have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine, or let's be real, three. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Cheers! My story is about a man called Graham Backhouse. So he had been a hairdresser working down south in London, um, and that was his career for most of the nine um, up until the 1980s, when his father passed away and gave him the family farm, Ooh. which was Widden Hill Farm in the village of Horton. Is it a working farm? Yeah, it had been a really prosperous um, cattle farm for all the time his father had run it. And obviously, Graham hadn't had any interest in it because he'd gone to be a hairdresser. Yeah, what's he going to do? Give the cows Mohicans. <laughs> exactly. Um, and this was a really small farming community in the West Country. So proper Fred West accents on these uh... people. And he was 44 at the time that he inherited the farm. I guess there's that family obligation. Like, I can't just let it die, let it sell it. It's my family home, nice big house. So he moved there with his wife and his two children to try and keep the farm running successfully. So, like I said, he wasn't really bothered about being a farmer. He must have had some transferable skills. Sheep shearing 
Yeah. Like, that's basically a thing. I um, you have to like do those... a jazzy lightning bolt as you're doing it. Exactly. You have to do those head massages, don't you? So that could, that can be like massaging a cow's udder. <laughs> I don't think they do it by it. hand anymore. True. <laughs> um, but na- neighbours in the village said that um, it was common knowledge that it wasn't doing so well. I mean, he wasn't really interested. Did like dad leave some notes though? Well, he... like on a wife swap, they're like, "Do this, then do this." Well, that would have been helpful, but uh, Backhouse didn't really want to do the castle farming. I think that might have seemed a bit too dirty and a bit for him, so he'd switched it to do oh, arable farming. No. I think he thought it was more dignified, and cowspiracy hadn't been around yet, so he was ahead of his time oh. getting rid of the cows. Do you know what the vegan society would love that? Yeah, but unfortunately, I think it was a bit much thinking, well, I was raised on a cattle farm, I've worked as a hairdresser, crops are going to be easy, <laughs> um, which they weren't. And the first few, two years, they had really bad harvests. They weren't making much money. So he was desperate. He even tried, he tried other avenues. He even tried to write an erotic novel oh, to make money. <laughs> If in doubt, write an erotic novel. Yes. I could do that. I mean, so I couldn't find it. And I was looking for ages and then found the next bit. Oh, we never found a publisher for it. So there is no evidence of this book <laughs> written by a hairdresser turned farmer sexy novel. So I tried to come up with some titles. I asked some people what they thought the titles could be. Um, some options were The Gropes of Wrath. <laughs> um, another one going back to his hairdressing days, uh, Cut and Blow. Oh, hello. And my favourite, thinking about the two, uh, his new job, is good cock, bad crop. (laughs) I like that. I think that's the winner for me. That's it. But he couldn't find a publisher, so things were going bad. But March the 30th in 1984, things took a more bizarre turn when Backhouse reported to the police that he had found a severed lamb's head impaled on his fence post. And attached to that was a handwritten note on just a small scrap of paper that said, you next. <gasps> that was it. That's horrible. Yeah, pretty grim. It's like, they've got quite thick necks as well, sheep, haven't they? It did say a lamb. It yeah. did definitely say, I mean, it wasn't going to go. Strangely. But the farming mafia were obviously around. So Backhouse told the police he believed that it had been intended for him because he was known in the village for being a ram. Now, yeah. Not like a gay term. Well, exactly. I was going to say, what did you think that meant? Because when, like I, because when I first heard, oh, they thought it was a ram, I thought, Derby supporter? <laughs> <laughs> you thinking like a gay term? I think it's like, like a twink. Well, it's clearly not as common a phrase as he thinks it is then because apparently he just meant like a stud like he was going around fucking everyone's wives because he was later described in the newspapers as being a ruthless romeo um due to the fact that when he was at the later trial talking about this incident and discussing the ram he had to um backhouse's wife apparently was shocked because he had to explain the fact that he'd had strings of affairs and was had slept with many other people's wives. I mean, we've all got a type. His was obviously married. Clearly. But so, apparently Ram, the term for that, and that's how he knew. But I think he was, like, stretching it a little bit. He was like, I don't have any stallions, so I'll have to make do with this. Yeah, it's obviously for me, because it's a sheep and I'm a ram. 
and everyone everyone's always calling me that no one's calling you that much. i suppose you could say like you rammed people i'm the ram of the village like oh i gave her a good ramming nothing sexy about a ram though is there like they're just the fugly i don't know they've got cute curly horns so anyway the police believed um that an angry husband had been trying to scare him uh so maybe that was going to be it like you know that's the worst of it yeah do they spell your right it was you next oh okay spelled correctly but upper and lowercase were mixed <laughs> which technically is still spelt wrong yeah uh, but the threat was soon to become more real He'd also told the police that for some time he had been receiving anonymous threatening phone calls to the house and even had a letter in the post um, which said something along the lines of, you ruined my sister's life, I'm going to kill you. Oh, no, sorry, I'm going to get you, you bastard. Oh, I can't do this at West Country. You or you, you, you gonna... ruined my sister's life, I'm going to get you, you bastard. Sound like the archers. But that letter there was no evidence of and the phone calls he'd been the ones picking them up but he told this to police leading up to the ram so a few days after the head on the 9th of april uh, at 1984 graham backhouse told his wife margaret to take his car oh he's married oh yeah he moved there with his wife and two kids oh yeah so he's just dicking around on the side and he had to tell his wife in court just wangling around on the side yeah Poking his penis around to see what it's Yeah, doing. ramming it in. Yeah. So anyway, he said to his wife, Margaret, oh, you take my car to go do your errands because her car apparently was having some problems. So as soon as Margaret got in the car and turned on the ignition, there was a huge explosion coming from directly underneath the <gasps> driver's seat where a homemade pipe bomb had been planted. Shit. Amazingly, Margaret was able to survive this explosion. <laughs> And um, the car was said to have had a sturdy structure and a high quality design. No, it was a no. it was a Volvo. Volvo family. Car. I will accept this endorsement. It was a Volvo, but lots of newspapers and lots of things, articles I read, and there's also a, an episode of Forensic Files on this case too. All of them said that it was was down to the high quality of this car that sort of forced forced be, the explosion yeah. downwards and stopped stopped the car just breaking into a million pieces. It maintained a lot of its integrity. Look, you want to survive a pipe bombing, buy a Volvo. Yeah. So, but however, she was obviously severely injured. It went off directly underneath her legs. So she'd suffered wound to her thighs and buttocks and she was taken into a hospital in Bristol for surgery and they were able to remove around a pound of shrapnel from her legs. She had to stay in hospital for quite a while and the operation had taken several hours. So she wasn't in the best of ways. It was obvious to police at the time that this bomb was linked to the lamb's head and it was intended for Graham Backhouse. It was his car. They'd come just not long after that. So they were taking things incredibly seriously and they placed him and his family under 24-hour protection. There's a police car there all the time. They also had a police guard at Margaret's hospital bed to protect the family. The same day as the bomb attack a letter had arrived at the farm and it said, came twice last week, but the pigs were about. See you soon. Uh, pigs meaning coppers. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Did you think they saw a pig in the field? Like, no, no. Yeah. Oh, I I was seriously thinking the pig. I was like, oh, how ridiculous that they wouldn't come just because the pigs... It's a farm! What was I supposed <laughs> to think? And pigs are 
terrifying. Have you ever seen a pig's teeth? They're gnashes. Like, and when I was little, I got chased by a pig. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, that ruins what I was going to say next then. I was like, that's really good. Like, get a guard pig. They are scary. And especially if we are going to go vegan and stop. Like, the only reason like anyone keeps pigs is to eat them. So if we did stop them for meat production, why would anyone bother to keep this species alive? Guard pigs. Show you what, I read a lot of um, books when I was young. I swear, having a little pig... Was came up in a lot of them as being cute and lovely. When I went to Charlotte's Web, Babe, yeah, Saddle Bottom, the one where they pour like, but oh, the yeah. pigs were about. <laughs> but when you go to a farm and see a pig, they're scary as fuck. The big ones are the big daddy ones. And they do not like visitors. Mm-mm. Well, so either way, whether it was police or a giant pig, the person wasn't interested. <laughs> I'm just not down with the lingo, sorry. Um, so this note was examined alongside the you next note. And they said that the handwriting of the two was the same. It seems to be the same person, the same threat. But the you next note did hold a more vital piece of evidence in that it had a doodle impression on it. So not a doodle on it, but like, you know, when on a notepad, they'd, someone had been doodling on the page above. And then when you flip it over, you can still oh, see the yeah. imprint. So it had the imprint of a previous doodle on this notepad. So, sure I didn't say U next as in E-W-U-E? Like, it didn't. They missed that? a trick though, didn't they? Especially with it being a sheep's head. That was ridiculous. Yeah. So there was this sort of like a swirl, this circular doodle on it. And they knew that if they could find the person, they, could link, the they could link this to them. As in like if they got a suspect, they could search their house and possibly find the notepad that they used. Oh, I see. Ah... Um, police also found a length of pipe on the grounds of Backhouse's next door neighbour, Mr. Colin Beedale Taylor. And there, this pipe was an exact match to the piece that had been used to create the bomb in Backhouse's car. Beedale Taylor was, of, of course, interviewed, but other than the fact that the pipe was found there, there was nothing else to link him. He had no motive. There was no fingerprints. There was no other bomb making materials. It, the pipe was just on his in his garden. Yeah. 18th of April, Backhouse became irritated by having the police around all the time. He was fed up with them being, he was like, they were a nuisance. I was thinking it would get annoying. And yeah, and this had been like 10 days or something. He was like, I just want to get on with my life yeah. and you're getting in the way. So he asked them to end the protection and they did agree, but they insisted on installing a panic button in his house as an extra precaution. So less than two weeks later, on the 30th of April, the button was pressed (gasps) and the police arrived at the farm to find a bloody scene. Oh my God. Graham Backhouse had large knife wounds to his face and chest that were bleeding profusely. They also found 63-year-old Colin Beedale Taylor lying on the floor with shotgun wounds to the chest and a Stanley knife clutched in his hand. They really hate this family. Backhouse told the police how Colin had come over to his house that night. Oh, wait, no, it was Beedale. Sorry. Yeah, Colin, Colin Beedale Taylor is dead. Right, shotgun wounds. At his house. At Graham's house. Graham has been slashed in the face and chest. Colin's got a Stanley knife. Right. So the neighbour's gone round and they're back. I'll tell you what happened now. Right. <laughs> so, I should just wait. <laughs> he told police that Colin had come over to his house that night. and Is he's he still alive? 
He told him that he had come over to his past tense that night. This way he told the police that it happened. But when did he tell them? When they arrived, they pressed the panic button. So he's still alive. Are you listening to any of this no, story? He's in slashes in his chest and face. Yeah, he does. But he's dead. No, he's alive. Colin's right. dead. Colin's been shot in the chest and he's dead. Right. Graham is alive, but bleeding profusely. Look, I haven't done this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go back. So, we'll take like, a step back. the comic strip version of this? Right. <laughs> the police had left. I need visuals. And they'd left a panic button. Yes. The panic button was pressed. Yes. And when the police arrived, this is what they found. Backhouse had been slashed in the face and chest. But he's still alive. Was bleeding. So he's still bleeding and you alive. You can bleed when you're dead. He's still bleeding and alive. Well, your heart's not pumping it out. But he's same. able to talk. Your heart, like, squirts it out, doesn't it? So 30th of April, the panic button was pressed. Oh, good God. Police came round. They found Graham Backhouse slashed in the face, slashed in the chest. Talking, alive. Talking, talking. Alive. Chatting. Chatting happy. Colin B. Dale Taylor was dead. He was on the floor. Shotgun wounds to the chest, and he was clutching a Stanley knife. Backhouse then told the police about what had <laughs> happened. He Backhouse said that Colin B. Dale Taylor had come over to his house that night, and he said that he'd come over to inquire about how Margaret was doing in the hospital. But then later, he said that actually he'd called um, Colin over to his house to look at some furniture, because oh. he was a carpenter, come and have a look at it. So Graham then went on to say that Colin had flown into a rage and blamed him for the death of his own son, nineteen years, uh, nineteen years old, two years previously. He then admitted that he'd sent the threats, he'd planted the bomb, and then started to attack. He went for Backhouse, slashing at him with his Stanley knife. What's a Stanley knife? A little knife, like one of those that you slide up and down. I don't think you could do a lot of damage with that. Graham Backhouse then said that he managed to get free of Beedale Taylor and ran from the kitchen down to the front door where he kept his shotgun. And he said that Beedale Taylor was still advancing towards him and so Backhouse shot him twice in self-defence, then pressed the panic button. However, the forensic investigation suggested a very different story. So first, there was the blood spatter on the kitchen floor where the slashing had taken place. Graham says these were caused by him being attacked and slashed at, but the blood spots on the floor were that. They were circular spots, like a dropping from above. Like if you drop something downwards, it just makes a little round bloop, doesn't it? Whereas if you'd cause someone to bleed with slashing, like moving around wildly with a knife, you're going to get spots that are long and like... Like a spatter, long, yeah. jagged ones, showing the direction of the force. I love shit like that. Like flicks. So this suggests that Backhouse had been standing still and just bleeding onto the floor, yeah. not in any sort of struggle, because there would have been movement. He'd just been stood still while this was happening. Okay. Um, the size of Backhouse's wounds were also problematic. So the one on his face went from underneath, by his ear along his jawline, all the way to his chin, just underneath the middle of his mouth. That's a long slash. Really long. And the one on his chest also went basically halfway around from one top side of his chest, one shoulder, across the other side, down to, like, his stomach. So it was, like, all the way around him. And if you're in a fight with someone and they're just slashing wildly, it's like almost like a hit. Like, you do quick little cuts. Yeah. To have it run all the way down and for the thing standing still 
that's someone standing still and slowly moving the knife along you. Yeah. So there was no... It was almost impossible that there would be a struggle. The only way that it could have been done by him was if it was he had been restrained at the time that it was done or if they were self-inflicted. Yeah. So there was also a lack of blood in other places that proved this story of a fight to be implausible. He's, Backhouse said that he'd been attacked in the kitchen, he was bleeding in the kitchen, he then ran down the hallway and fetched the gun. But there were absolutely no traces of Backhouse's blood in the hallway, no blood trail to show him running, and there was none of his blood on the gun that he actually used to shoot Colin B. Dale Taylor with, which would be all over his hands. It's on his chest, he's holding a gun to his chest, there was nothing on it whatsoever. Also, the injuries to Graham's face and uh, face and chest were the only injuries that he'd sustained. So usually we've talked about other victims where they have lots of cuts to their hands, palms, forearms, which is a self-defense mark. So if someone's coming out with a knife, you put your hands up and you stop them and try and fight them off. Apart from those ones, those two big cuts that he had, he was completely unscathed everywhere else. You obviously haven't listened to a podcast about true crime. No. And found out all these things for himself. So then the body of Colin also raised more suspicions due to the way that he was found holding the Stanley knife. So it said that he found it and he was clutching it sort of in a loose grip, sort of kind of firmly. But if he was coming towards him with it in his hand and he was shot twice in the chest, that imp- that sends you to go limp. That yeah, impact, it stops you. He would have dropped it or thrown it. The, it would have been found next to him or further away from him. The only other option is that some when people die that everything seizes and you go to what's like a death grip is what it's called, where it's really difficult to prize things out of your hands. But it wasn't that tight either. It was neither a death grip nor loose. Yeah. So it was more likely that the knife had been placed in his hand after he died. While searching the house, police also found a notepad <gasps> in Backhouse's study, which had a doodle on it that was a perfect match for the impression found on the you next note. Did he not know, not know about that evidence then? Because otherwise he would have got rid of it, wouldn't he? I guess he thought, why are they going to come looking in my study? They'll think someone else has done it. Yeah. And it's all proof that the threats to his life were all part of a scheme of his own making. And he tried to kill his wife. Yeah. So his plan to get himself out of debt hinged on his wife's life insurance policy, mm. which he'd raised from 50000 to 100000 just a month before the bomb explosion in the car. So because his plan to kill his wife had failed, he then was trying to throw suspicion away from himself onto Colin Bedell Taylor to stop police suspecting him. So he had invited Colin over to the farmhouse, he had shot him in cold blood, and afterwards he had stood and cut himself across the face and chest. There were huge marks. If you have a look at pictures of them, I could never have done it to myself. But I don't know how I did it. Deep and long, really long. Desperation. His trial lasted 16 days, but his scheming hadn't stopped. While he was being held in custody... Backhouse had tried to get a letter out to a local newspaper, unsigned, but he'd given it to another person who was getting out to give to a newspaper. And in it, he was trying to implicate Colin B. Dale Taylor in the car bombing. But the letter was intercepted, and the handwriting experts were then able to match it to Backhouse's own handwriting and to the letter which arrived on the day of the bombing. 
So his trial was then on the 28th of January, 1985, at Bristol Crown Court, where he was charged with the murder of Colin B. Dale Taylor and the attempted murder of his wife, Margaret Backhouse. And the jury took five and a half hours to find him guilty, after which he was given two life sentences, one for each. He served 10 years in prison, but then died of a heart attack in 1994. So he kind of got away with it. Yeah. That's the shortest one you've ever done. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was good. I liked, I liked it. it. But I mean, you just did it and they fucked up. Yeah. They also, there was also some other evidence where they'd found inside the envelope of the letter about the pigs, they'd found a, a fibre from one of Backhouse's cardigans. But I didn't include that originally because I was like, well, he opened it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like evidence like that. Yeah, that's true. It's not like it had been nowhere near. I mean, it was inside the envelope, but I just think these things happen. I am really nervous that my DNA is going to get used <laughs> against me in a murder that I didn't commit. Yeah. I'm going to get Amanda Knox, I feel it. She might have done it, I don't know. Every time I say that I don't think she did it, someone comes at me like, you're an idiot, of course she did. I'm like, I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. And when I watched the documentary, I kind of felt it was obvious she didn't. Yeah. But then she could have. But that's a different story. So thanks for listening. Keep your ears peeled for the new upcoming Slash and Dash and join the Patreon to vote. Leave a review. Nice review. Glowing review. And remember, listening to Slaughter doesn't make you a psycho. Pipe bombing your wife does. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program.